0: okay here we go she runs ultras episode number four i'm calling this one the uncomplicated guide to writing a kick-ass training plan so thanks everybody for allowing me a little bit of grace and patience last week when i just needed a week off from doing all the things, right? It was the holiday, everyone was kind of taking some downtime. And that's kind of tough for me, because I am really type A on all the time, feel like I should always be working. So yeah, I took a little bit of time off, but I'm back at it now. And I want to talk about something that I love, and I kind of geek out on them. And that's training plans. Um, So in this episode, I want to talk all things training plans, kind of why they're important. How do you go about putting one together? What should you include in them? um, What things to kind of keep in mind when you're planning your season? Maybe some mistakes I want to help you to avoid. Basically, I'm going to share how I put together uh, my own kick-ass training plans. And just as a disclaimer, these are like These are my thoughts, like how I like to put together a training plan, not only for myself, but for my clients. And there's probably going to be stuff in here that maybe you've never even heard of before or that perhaps you don't agree with. And that's okay, right? Everyone goes about writing training plans differently. And so this is just what's worked for me. And it's stuff that I've experimented with over the last like 10 plus years. So I shared back in an earlier episode about working with a coach really early on in my running career and how the plan that he gave me didn't really work for me. And since that point, I've kind of been on a mission to explore different like ways of training in order to find what works for me. And I'm constantly experimenting with different things And I believe that's basically what we all should be doing too, right? Not just taking training plans at face value, but also looking at them, evaluating them, tweaking them to best suit our needs. And so I'm just going to kind of share how I've been doing that with you in this episode. Um, In case I forget to mention it, at the end of the podcast, I made a PDF that kind of outlines what I'm going to share. Yes, I'm kind of a nerd like that. So if you're listening to this and you're not in a place where you can hit pause and take notes, I got you covered. So just follow the link that I put into the show notes and you can get the digital download for this resource. Okay. Let's like dive right in here. So why are training plans important? Well, the basic idea is that your training plan is your roadmap. It's basically your directions for how you're going to get from where you are now to where you want to go, which is across the finish line of that amazing race that you've picked out or races, however many you're going to do in your season. And I think a lot of people get tripped up with training plans because they don't really know how to put one together. And I think of this process as like one part science, one part art, one part try, then wait and see, (laughs) which is very uh, unscientific, but it really has worked for me. So as you're going to see, there are a lot of different aspects to a training plan, and I like to think of each of them as levers. So I kind of picture like this master board with all these switches and levers on it. And sometimes you're going to go full throttle on one or two of those levers. You're going to push them all the way up. And then at the same time, you'll pull back on some others, maybe shutting them down completely. And then seeing what happens in your body and in your training and then using that information to decide what to do next. I think a lot of people really get into trouble when they just follow a training plan blindly and do whatever the plan says. So regardless of how they're feeling, the plan says run six miles hard. Um, They do it. And then the next, you know, the the next couple of days, they're just completely toast. So this is why I say it's one part science, one part art, and one part try and wait and see. So what should be included in your training plan? Um, I'm going to give you, I think I have like eight different elements here that I try to include in my training plans. And you might think of it as a lot, but as you start to kind of work through this process, you'll see it's, they're all really necessary. So number one is, this should come as no surprise to those of you guys that know me, it's a daily shakedown. And you might be listening to this and thinking like, what the hell is a daily shakedown? (laughs) it's a little term that I came up with for the routine I like to do first thing in the morning when I wake up. So maybe it's right when I get out of bed, maybe it's after, you know, I've moved around for a little bit, taken the dogs out, you know, done my normal thing. But it essentially means Um, a functional movement practice where I kind of just take my whole body from head to toe through its full range of motion. So everything from head and neck all the way down to feet, toes, and ankles. The second thing on this list is a dynamic warm-up, not to be confused with the daily shakedown. So a dynamic warm-up is something that I'm going to do before a run or perhaps even like a strength training session. Number three on this list is run, and I should actually say that these aren't in any specific order or priority. This is kind of when I did a little bit of a brain dump here, the order that they just came out. So number three is run. Number four is walk. Number five, strength training. And for me, this is a mix of body weight, dumbbells, kettlebells, and one of my favorite training tools um, is a TRX, a suspension trainer. Number six is a functional movement practice, and yeah, this is different from number one, which was the daily shakedown, and number two, which is the dynamic warm-up, and I'll get into kind of what a functional movement practice looks like for me a little later on. Number seven is cross-training, so this is swimming or biking or hiking, rowing, etc., like anything that's essentially not running or walking. And the last one is rest and recovery, right? So those are the elements that I include in my training plans. So once you've figured out what things should go in your training plan, the next kind of logical question is, how should I structure my training each week? And this was a big one for me because in the beginning, and I see this a lot with not only maybe beginning runners or beginning ultra athletes, we just want to throw everything and the kitchen sink in there. <laughs> it's a really, really common because we think we should just do it all. And over the years, I've gotten better about selecting and weeding out the things that don't work for me. And that's that's how I came up with the those eight things that I put into my training plan. And then once I got clear on those eight things, then I really started to figure out, well, what cadence and frequency works best for me. And I mentioned in a previous episode, getting that training plan from my original coach and how, you know, he had me running five or six days a week. (laughs) Well, that didn't really work. So I basically used the plan that he gave me as a template. And I started to mess around with different training weeks. Like I would do, I would run four days a week and it would be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I would do you know, yoga and riding my bike on the opposite days or strength days. And then I would just, you know, map it out. I'd keep track of things and just kind of figure out what worked and what didn't. So I'm going to share with you kind of my typical training schedule, but just know that I came to this through a process of years of trying to figure out what worked for me. And I'm not suggesting it's going to take you years, but it might. So you're just going to have to play around with it and find out what works for you through experimentation. And you really are going to love this because you're going to start to tailor your training plan to your lifestyle and your schedule, be it work or family or other. All right. So here's how it kind of works for me. I run on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, Tuesday and Thursday are typically my shorter runs, and I'll typically include some tempo or interval or hill work into these days. And Saturday and Sunday are my kind of long, slow distance days. And I like to do these back to back because then I can really start to build up time on my feet and feel what it's like to do long runs on tired legs. Strength, I'll typically do on Monday and Wednesdays. So in the earlier parts of my training plan, I'll strength train on both of these days. And as I progress, I'll take one away and it will just be one day a week. And it could be Monday or it could be Wednesday, depending on On how my week is planned out. Walking and cross training. So these will come on Monday, Wednesdays, or Fridays. Walking is a huge part of my training plan. If you guys follow me on Instagram or if you're part of my private Facebook group, you know that I'm doing step challenge right now and I incorporate a lot of walking into my training. This is something that I came to after, you know, struggling through my sciatic pain where running wasn't a possibility, but I could walk and that helped me to Not only rehab my hip, but also build up a really great aerobic base and time on my feet. Two things that are really important for ultra training. And then rest. This is typically Monday or Friday. And early in my training plan, I'll rest on both days. And as I progress, just like with strength training, I'll alternate between these two days depending on my training phase and objective for that week. So you probably noticed that there's a lot of overlap on the days, like strength, walking, cross-training, and resting are all happening on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that's on purpose. And this is part of the whole lever situation that I kind of liken this to. So I will start to plug different components in there on different days as it suits my training. Don't feel like you have to have dedicated, specific days for things. We're going to kind of get into this in a minute, but one of the areas where I feel like people go wrong or drift or go awry is where they have strict days and they don't incorporate any variety or switching things up. So keep that in mind because I'm going to touch on that in a minute. All right, so three things to kind of keep in mind when you're planning your season. Like we can, when we start to really dive into the nitty gritty and maybe even you've gotten to this point in this episode and your mind is just like blown, overload, too much information, you don't even know where to begin. We'll kind of talk about that in a minute. But if you keep these next three things in mind as you're planning your season, you really can't go wrong. So number one is the idea that more isn't always better. (laughs) People get carried away with trying to do all of the things. That's all of the races, all of the training, all of the workouts, and ultimately they overwork themselves and get burned out on training or injured, whichever comes first. Um, Neither one is a desirable outcome. So more isn't always better. The second thing to keep in mind is slow and steady wins the race or gets across the finish line and I've seen a lot of people get into trouble when they try to speed up the training process or kind of condense it into a shorter time frame I've found that easing into it slowly and taking the time to figure things out yields way better results than just cramming everything in and the third thing is think big act small So you've got to have the big kind of overarching annual plan in mind. But on a day to day basis, you've got to like, think about and do the small actions that are going to inch you closer to achieving your goal. A a prime example of this is that step challenge that I'm doing right now. It's gonna get me primed and ready to go for when I start to run. It's not only getting me time on my feet and building up my aerobic capacity, it's also creating space for me to then switch over to runs. So if I had just been kind of like lounging around, not doing anything these last couple of months, it would be much harder for me to make the transition to uh, like flipping the switch and saying, okay, now I'm a runner. Now I'm on a training plan. Now I'm going to go out and run where before I'd just been kind of like filling that time with TV or hanging out or doing other things. Like I'm slowly introducing the idea of walking and exercising and making space in my calendar so that when I really want to flip the switch and get back into running and doing more of everything, I'm already in the habit. So if you skip a day or two because life happens don't just cram it in someplace else. So this this falls under, you know, think big, act small as well. So we have to create the time and the space for um, the action to happen in the first place because we don't just want to try to flip the switch. This is where I think a lot of people go wrong. And because I'm recording this on New Year's Eve, I think I'm going to try not to go off on a tangent on New Year's resolutions and how people like to flip the switch tonight into tomorrow and how everything is going to change just because the date on the calendar changes. Like that's not true. So think big, act small, choose some sort of small thing, an action or something that will set you up for success for today, but it will pan out for you tomorrow. Okay, so we kind of talked about the things that you want to keep in mind, which I logically think here's like the mistakes you want to try to avoid. So like, keep these things in mind, but also try to avoid making these mistakes. All right. So uh, in no particular order, these these mistakes that I've personally made, and I kind of want to help you to avoid making them. So the first mistake that I made was racing too often like trying to do too many races, not only over the course of a whole year, but also within a specific time frame. I see a lot of people that are just racing back to back to back to back weekends. And if you're a professional, that's one thing. If you're a recreational runner, that's a whole other. And far too often, I see people racing too often without having a plan or not having a good plan. And that's problematic as well. And that brings me to number two, racing without any structure or strategy behind your training plan. Or like I said, not having a training plan at all. Um, Winging it is not a strategy. You're, you're not going to make any progress because you're not measuring and keeping track of anything. It's hard to know where you are on the map if you don't have a map at all. Number three is relying too much on your technology. Ooh, this one is probably going to hit a nerve with people. <laughs> um, when I first started getting into running, I was so reliant on my technology, my Garmin, my heart rate monitor, all of the things, because I thought that, That's what I had to do, Uh, and and it's totally fine if you are not relying on your technology. But just know that this stuff will fail you, guaranteed. At some point, you're going to forget to charge your Garmin or your Fitbit or whatever you're using. Um, It's going to like just crap out on you in the middle of a run. Something's going to happen, guaranteed. And you have to be able to know yourself well enough to be able to distinguish your efforts without that external feedback. So knowing what's not enough, like you're not pushing hard enough or you have more, what's too much, when are you redlining or going too hard and too fast, and what's the sweet spot, what is just right. I'll concede that the technology certainly helps you to find those ranges and that's what I have used to help me hone my instincts on these things, but I don't rely on them 100%. I've found that when I can self-monitor really well, it's, it has helped me to push my training forwards because I know when I'm half-assing it, or I know when, um, I've, I've overdone it and I don't need my technology to tell me that, um, one of the, like, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example about this. I I have the Garmin Fenix 5 and I actually have the the men's version of this watch because, and I have a bone to pick with you Garmin, maybe it's different now, but when I bought this watch, the men's version is much bigger and heavier, (laughs) first of all, (laughs) but second of all, it had the longer battery life that I needed because I wanted to have this for my hundred miler and not have to like take it off and charge it. But the thing is too big for my scrawny little wrists. And so I can't get an accurate heart rate off of it because it doesn't fit me. Right. And so this is just one way, one example of how the technology isn't always well suited to what, to you or what you're trying to do. So you know, I have an external heart rate monitor that I use that connects to this garment and it works really well because it's flush up against my skin. So, you know, you have to kind of game the system and find something that's going to work for you and give you those guideposts. And then every so often take those guideposts away as a measure to see how you're doing. Okay, I got a little, <laughs> a little off on the technology tangent here. So number four is giving up on your training plan. If you miss a day or two, or a week, right? I think this is something that that really trips people up. Like, just because life happens doesn't mean you've blown up your training plan, or that it's over, or that you should just abandon it altogether. You've got to come up with a way to kind of get yourself on track. And I'm definitely going to cover this a lot more as the season uh, goes on, because This happens on a regular basis to me. And so I'll share kind of some of the strategies that I use for doing this. And the last one, the last mistake that I want to help you avoid is not enough variety. So you heard me mention this earlier on the definition of insanity <laughs> you guys are probably rolling your eyes you're like i know the definition of insanity but it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results so it, like you you might hear people sometimes saying like they can't progress in their training like they've hit a plateau or they can't make the jump to the next distance that they want to go to and Often when I talk with people about it and I dig into their training plan and what they're doing, it's like Groundhog Day. (laughs) There's a lot of the same thing happening over and over and over again, and there's not enough variety, not enough differentiation in their roots or their pace or, um, their training, their strength training. It's like everything happens over and over, same time, same place, you know, everything is the same. So switch it up. Okay. With all of those things said, you're still probably thinking, well, how do I like actually build this killer training plan? And honestly, I think it's a lot easier than you might be thinking. The first two steps are super simple. (laughs) Find the races that you want to do and plug them into the calendar. This is the super fun part where you get to dream big like a kid in the endurance sports candy store. (laughs) Get to pick all of the races and put them on the calendar. And then the next thing you're going to do is just start to build your training around those races. And overall... Your training plan shouldn't be any longer than 24 weeks if you're new to running or if you're training for an ultra. If you're training for a shorter race, yeah, that plan can be a lot smaller, but we're talking about ultras here. So (laughs) it makes sense that we would talk about everything here in an ultra context. So I'd say pick one to two races, especially if you're new to ultras, that you want to do during a calendar year. Remember, more is not always better. Like you can pick more out and like put them on your calendar, but really identify which ones are your kind of A priority. Like in the coaching world, kind of we talk about A, B, and C. So like A priority races being the ones you really want to hit. B races being kind of maybe like your tune-up or your secondary races. And then C races are, well, they're nice to have, but if you miss them because, or if you miss them or you skip them because you're not feeling a hundred percent, it's not going to be a big deal. So Overall training plan, no longer than 24 weeks, pick one to two big races and you want to pick a few shorter races a few weeks ahead of those big races so that you can use them as um, a tune-up or I like to call it a dry run for the big day. So then that begs the question, well, how do you structure things around those races? There are five kind of basic phases to a training plan. Number one is the base phase. Two is build. Three is peak. Four is taper. Then traditionally your race would happen. And then the fifth phase is recovery. So if we're going off my 24 week plan, you're going to want to give yourself between eight and 12 weeks of base training where you work on building up your aerobic capacity, time on your feet, and, you know, just your general endurance before you move on to the build phase where maybe you spend six to eight weeks. And I'm going to give ranges here because there's no cut and dry training plan that's going to work straight off the shelf for every single person. So you really have to be flexible and kind of go with the flow and try that wait and see based on the results that you get from the work that you've done previously sort of approach here. So 68 weeks of build, um, and I like to kind of refer to this more as race specificity training, where you start to develop speed maybe you do some more hills and you start to incorporate other workouts that are going to prep you for what you're you're going to face on race day so this is where you kind of want to do your recon and your homework to find out well like what are the typical race day conditions hot cold rain dry And then what are the elevation changes? Is there a lot of up? Is there a lot of down? And so you're going to start to incorporate a lot of that type of work into this phase of your training. Then you're going to move on to two to three weeks at peak. And this is where you're really going to do a few key workouts that prep you even further for race day. So maybe this is like... um, kind of like your own little race simulation or where you really start to hone in on if speed is your thing, you're really going to start to hone in on doing some kind of key workouts that emphasize that. Then <laughs> I'm laughing because this is if you talk to runners and basically every runner that I've ever talked to really dislikes the taper phase. <laughs> I don't know why I really like the taper phase. Part of the, because you've done so much work up to this point that by the time I get to my taper, I'm like, yes, please. Can I just (laughs) have some time off? So maybe a week or two to taper before your race. And that doesn't mean stop everything altogether. It just means dial back pretty hard on, you know, the intensity and the distance and really kind of give yourself time to rest and recover then you go off and just crush your race. <laughs> I'm just going to assume based on the fact that you're writing this epic plan for yourself, you're going to crush your race and then maybe take two to five weeks to recover depending on what's coming next. Like maybe that one race was it and you're you're done. So maybe you just take two weeks to really kind of lay low and recover. And then maybe you go back to shorter runs, walks, strength training for just general day-to-day fitness, or maybe you've got another race coming up and you can take two to three weeks to really relax, you know, dial back on intensity and effort before you start to ramp up again for another kind of cycle, depending on what the next race distance is and how far away it is from the end of your previous race. So this is kind of like a really simple overview of how to structure. And there's lots of stuff that happens kind of during those weeks that really depends on how your runs go, how your body feels, the results that you're getting, kind of et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just, I'm kind of giving you the template and you get to really go in and nerd out and customize it. But if you forget everything... (laughs) Like if you leave this podcast episode and you're like so overwhelmed, you don't know where to start or you didn't take notes and you remember a few things, I want you to remember this ample base, time to build a few key workouts specific to your race conditions, a little bit of a taper so that you can be at your best for race day and then some downtime to recover. That's the key. To every good training plan and then if you're gonna race again you'll start the cycle all over you won't you won't take the same amount of time to build a base because your base is already there but you'll kick right into another shorter or longer depending on the time frame build phase one more in-depth item I kind of want to touch on here is how to build during the build phase it's a lot of builds You can't just keep increasing your mileage and your workload every week. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but like this is going to lead to burnout, also known as overtraining and or injury. Um, And it's sad because I see a lot of people kind of teetering between these two things, burnout and injury. Um, And I really want to help you avoid that. So I think the best way to think about your training plan The weeks of your training plan is like a set of funky stairs. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. You're going to do a few weeks of ascending work, stepping up incrementally one week after another, followed by a week or two of descending work. So taking a step down, doing less work for a week or so, and then you repeat the process. So lots of training plans you'll see out there use a three up, one down. So that means three weeks of heavier training followed by one week of easier training. Um, so so that's pretty common. You'll see that a lot. And I tried this. I tried to make this work for me for a long time and I forced it <laughs> and that's how I ended up injured. And um, so it didn't work for me. And now what I do is I do a two up one down. So you'll have to play around with this and see what works for you. Maybe you like three up, one down. Maybe you like two up, one down. Maybe you do one up, one down. Like that for sure. If I am working with a beginner runner, that's how I structure their plan. One up, one down that's where I'm going to put a pin in it for training plans. This is like a lot of information and I kind of wanted to give you guys this episode as a primer for a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about as I start to like put together my training plan and share that process with you and kind of like give you a week's worth of my training so you can see it. You know, it can definitely be overwhelming to try to write your own training plan. And in the last couple of days, I've seen a lot of people post on Facebook in some of the running groups that I belong to asking for recommendations for good free plans. Look, I'm not against any of the free plans that are out there because, you know, those started out as being somebody's perfect plan for themselves. And then they just decided to share that plan, you know, with the world. So I think that it's great that you can go out there and find all sorts of different free plans to try. But I want you to have the tools to be able to evaluate a plan And to understand what the different components are, the different levers that you can manipulate, the different elements that you can inject into the training plan to customize it, to make it fit for you. And I see a lot of people getting upset when that free plan doesn't work for them. And my first reaction is always, okay, well, how much did you customize it? Like if you followed that plan, there's a possibility that it might click in and be the right thing for you. But the, but the reality of the situation is it probably isn't. And it's more a guide or a template. So take a look at your plan. Maybe you're going to base your training for this year off of something you did last year and then kind of run it through some of these filters that we talked about. Like those three things that you want to keep in mind. More isn't always better. Slow and steady wins the race. And think big and act small. Like are you incorporating those and keeping those in mind when you're planning your season? And then think about those five, you know, kind of common mistakes, Racing too often, racing without any structure or strategy, relying too much on your technology, giving up on your plan if you miss a day, and not enough variety. And if you start to kind of run your training plan through those filters, you're going to spot sections or places where you could improve upon it without, you know, making huge tweaks to it. It could be as simple as adding a walking day um, or, you know, injecting. A dynamic warm up before each of your runs. And as a side note, I'm definitely gonna, we're gonna talk about this <laughs> in a future episode because that is one thing that I know will help you go farther, faster, and stronger in 2021. So I'm gonna put a pin in that and come back to that later. But start to think about the stuff that I've shared with you here. And um, I did remember to tell you at the end of the episode to go and download the PDF that I have um, put together for you. And it's basically the cliff notes to this episode that will kind of walk you through all of the things that we talked about. So if you're kind of a visual learner, this will be really helpful for you. And the link to get that will be in the show notes. And I want to encourage you guys, if you're doing this for the first time or if you're unsure about where to start hit me up seriously like send me an email tell me what you're doing if you have questions or if you get stuck along the way like let's talk okay and I'm also going to be posting about this a little bit more on my Facebook page and on Instagram so be on the lookout for that okay so That's it. That's all that I want to say about training plans for the day. This is, we're going to continue this conversation in future episodes, but I want to give you this all in kind of like bite-sized chunks. So chew on that for a little bit, dance it out, and I'll see you all in the next episode.